This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Folks, we often talk about freedom versus slavery. You know, we talk about good versus evil. We talk about this crazy world we live in now with corruption and criminality and power-hungry folks trying to rule over us. And we'll never know what's deep inside the mind of these psychopathic prison wardens, these people that we talk about here, these technocrats, these transhumanists, these mad scientists, doctors, people like Elon Musk, people like Peter Thiel, Eric Schmidt, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos and the rest of these power-hungry madmen. We'll never know. I told you that I have this unique ability to put my own mind into the mindset of a psychopath and start to figure out and predict where they're going with their plans, what they want to do to all of us. Most people can't put their mind into the mindset of that much evil. And I've been able to do that and do that quite well throughout my life. I think some of it comes from growing up with a father who was a cop who thought he was out there fighting bad guys, Uh, a father who became a private investigator right around the time that I was born in 1981 and has investigated a number of personal injury cases and medical malpractice cases and back in the days in the 80s and 90s when divorces were really heated. And so I would go on him when I was a a little kid. I'd go with him on investigations. And and, uh, I got to see the evils of this world. And I got to see how my father put the pieces of the puzzle together and investigated these things. And so that's part of how I think I have the ability to do that, to do what I do and sort of predict where we're going in the future. Uh, But you'll never really understand or know why people become psychopaths, why they become so power-hungry, why they hate humanity, which is the case of many of the people that we talk about here, especially the technocratic transhumanists. And so I think this book helps answer a lot of those questions. Uh, I think it can help us understand why some of these people came out of the womb so evil, that maybe, maybe, just maybe, their entrance onto this planet uh, was not so loving and so joyful as maybe even their parents and the physicians and the nurses on hand believed it was. And so these people end up tortured uh, throughout their life. This probably has the uh, effect, you know, an effect on one person more than it does on another, just like people who have experienced traumatic events as children. Some people get over them. Some of them talk to a psychiatrist and eventually let them brush off their shoulders. 
some people become alcoholics, some become drug addicts, some become the very abuser that they spend their life trying to run away from. Some end up, unfortunately, taking their own lives, and some end up probably becoming the very monsters that we discuss on this show. But that's why I said this book is very important, and if everyone read it, I think they would have a better understanding of how a baby, a child, a human should enter this world without violence, and then maybe they won't be someone who is prone to violence throughout their lives. We talk about all the things we do on this show, but at the end of the day, it all starts here. It all starts in the very beginning. And so that's why I wanted to share this beautiful book with you because it puts everything we talk about into context. We get wrapped up with all of these things that happen after we are born, but we sometimes forget why we're talking about this. It is about our children. It is about our grandchildren. It is about the next generation. That's why the people we're fighting against spend so much time trying to groom the next generation into wokeness or into anti-family values or into video games and technology. They're always trying to brainwash and control the next generation. Well, if the next generation... Uh, read a book like this, if this was the type of book they read, as soon as they could start to fully understand and comprehend, you know, around the age of six, seven, eight, nine, I think they would have a much better understanding of parents who had put their children through this sort of hospital birth experience or through a situation even like us where we had to end up compromising on some of the things we did not want. But if you're prepared to talk to your child or to your grandchild about this book and about the experience that they had when they were born and some of the things they may have experienced, uh, but at a young age so that child understands and you apologize for some of the things they may, may be like deep rooted, deep seated inside them stuff. They won't remember obviously, but may have had an effect on them and you could make up for those things when they're in childhood. And I'm not talking about buying them candy or bribing them with a toy or a video game. I'm talking about showering them with true love and asking for forgiveness for some of these things that we would be a better world. At the end of the day, I love to battle against the bad guys, but don't we want to end up fixing this in the future? So maybe there aren't going to be as many bad guys out there, folks. And so I think this is a part of of this whole story that I'm telling here at the Dustin Gold Standard, what I've done in the first 86 episodes and what I'll be doing in the next 100, 200, 300, 400 episodes, hopefully infinite. Hopefully I'll be talking about this stuff until the day I die. So that's why I wanted to share this and I'm going to keep going because it's very important. And I know many of you are not going to go get this book. You're not going to be able to find it. You're not going to have time to read it. So I figured if you're listening to the show and you haven't tuned me out, I might as well read this to you. And uh, I'll eventually look to see if there's an audio book of this that I can put out there. 
on pain.tv slash gold and you guys can go buy it from whoever did it if there is not if it's not in print never turned into an audiobook i will record more of a theatrical audiobook style reading of this obviously with no errors sometimes right here i'm reading in real time i want this to be raw i don't go back and edit out when i mince uh mispronounce words and such i don't want this to be an episode um, a show that's like fully edited i want uh, part of what I do with you here to be raw. That's why you hear me make mistakes and I correct myself all the time. That's just the type of show I want to put out. I don't want a highly edited, highly produced show. But if I do this in the future, I will read this. There'll be no mistakes. It'll be in an audiobook format. And so that way you'll have a chance to listen to it. And uh, the whole book, if I do it start to finish with no analysis, takes about an hour to read. All right, let's continue. This is part two. It starts off with a quote. The question and the answer are one. It says, all of this is terrifying, overwhelming. It leaves us almost without hope, without hope for the child. Should we prepare the infant while still in the womb with fine electrodes? No, it isn't the child who needs preparation. It is we, our if we manifest such blindness, so little understanding in the way we welcome newborn children, can we marvel that the world is the way it is? But let us concentrate on specifics of birth itself. Let us see how even a modest increase of sensitivity on our part can make an immense difference. There is a disquieting paradox in birth. The child suddenly finds itself liberated from an unendurable captivity and weeps. This also happens, so they say, to prisoners who are suddenly set free. The liberty they have dreamt of so long intoxicates them and panics them. They begin to miss their prison bars, both better off and worse off than before. Unconsciously, they behave in ways that will ensure their re-imprisonment. In the way the infant suddenly liberated howls, we want to cry out, but this is absurd. Why are you crying when you should be exulting? Now at last you can stretch, reach out kick wave your arms in the air and yet you are crying look around you realize what has happened to you recognize your happiness and let me pause right there and explain that quickly because i think that is very important and actually put a lot together for me when i read this the first time it's so true i mean if you read stories about prisoners that end up in that uh, institutional cycle and they keep going back into prison because the uh, freedom and the liberty are too much to bear i am a strong believer that the vast majority of humans out there are natural sheep uh, they like to be led they like to be herded they like to be told to line up and put on a mask and rub hand sanitizer all over their bodies and walk on the dotted lines in the grocery stores and stand six feet apart and stay behind the plexiglass and although many people i think deep inside their heart in their soul they know that none of that was protecting them they may not even believe that there's actually some covid virus out there but they become part of the covid land high school theater production they like to be led on the cattle car. They like to be sent to the proverbial Auschwitz and told 
what to do. That's the world we live in. We are in a prison planet where the majority of people are NPCs, and they just don't want to think for themselves. And so I think one of the reasons throughout history, there's these cycles of civilization that generally run every couple few hundred years. So for instance, if we formed a breakaway civilization together and started it off on the basis of freedom and liberty, in the end, 100, 200, 300 years from now, we'd end up where we are today. And I think that happens because inside people, they fear true freedom and true liberty. True freedom and true liberty is true independence. No big brother, no big mama there to come and protect you. No one to bail you out if you screw up. And so that's what people fear. And so instead they would treat and they would rather just be treated like a slave and told what to do and live inside that prison and have government force them to take vaccines and government hand them a universal basic income check. This is what the state, this is what the system actually relies on. And that's why it happens time and time again. But maybe if entering into this world was not so violent, people would actually enjoy the idea of freedom instead of trying to drive themselves back into the prison of their mother's womb. Uh, That's what I personally think about this, folks. That's why I think so many people, the people who end up becoming a problem for us, those who want freedom and liberty and to be able to make it on their own, We end up in a system where we get forced into decisions we don't want to make because those around us end up creating this policy because the culture is that they want to be slaves. And I think this is a very important uh, important part of the book that describes just that and how we got to where we are today. It goes on to say, why won't the baby understand? Listen to reason. Reason. In a tiny creature only a few minutes old, then what can we tell the baby? Tell is not the right word. The baby should be addressed in its own language, the language that precedes words. Are we then to speak in gestures as we do to a foreigner? Of course not. We must go back still further and rediscover the universal language, which is simply the language of love. Speak of love to a newborn baby. Yes, speak of love. Speak the language of lovers. And what is the essential language of lovers? Not speech. Touch. Lovers are shy, modest. When they want to embrace, they seek the darkness. They turn out the light or simply close their eyes. They create night for themselves. Touch becomes everything. And in this darkness, they quiver caress each other, lightly stroke each other, put their arms around each other, melt into well-being again, as in that ancient prison, the womb. They are silent. Words would be uh, superfluous. If there is any sound, it is a sigh of pleasure. It is their hands that speak, and their bodies listen and understand. This is what newborn babies must have. This is how we should speak to them how they can understand, simply by tenderness, by touch. Let us advance step by step, hoping to learn what we must do so as not to terrify the child who has come among us. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're understanding this. This book has so much value. It explains so much. It is the complete and total uh, opposite of the stuff we cover here. This is love. This is freedom. This is liberty. This is joy. This is happiness. 
the complete and total opposite of the technocratic transhumanist evil prison planet wardens that we are battling those who want to drive us into their prisons those who want to have our babies grow up in the prison of a synthetic womb ladies and gentlemen i'll be back this is dust to go with the dust to gold standard join us right here on pain.tv slash go you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold folks we are reading from this 1976 book birth without violence ladies and gentlemen the answer to so many of our questions lie right here in this book and don't worry i'm gonna get back to eugenics and technocracy i've got another special coming up with jim you know wide awake jim shortly so don't worry i haven't gone soft on you folks i'm just trying to show you that um this stuff is important. It's it's very important for us to put all of the evil into context with the good and find the people who spread the good, the joy, the love. And this is one of them, folks. This is one of them. And this is the most important part of life is uh, coming out of your mom into this world. I mean, some of these kids, we've done them a disservice. We, we bring them into this hellhole. But it's our job. It's our duty to bring kids into this world. It's our job to keep the human species alive. And so let's do it in the most peaceful way as possible. And maybe we won't end up with so many evil people out there, those that want to rule over others, control them, and actually work to engineer humanity out of existence. All right, let's continue. It says, it is really quite simple. Let us begin with the problem of sight and place ourselves like lovers in darkness. Now our alertness, our sense of touch grow keener. But above all, this way the infant's eyes are spared. Of course, some light is necessary to watch over the mother so that she will not be injured when the child's head emerges. But lamps and floodlights are unnecessary. As soon as the head appears and the danger has passed, extinguish all the lights, except a small nightlight. It will be enough. In the darkness, the mother will be able to make out her child's features only faintly, and this is all too good since newborn infants are almost always ugly, their features deformed by the fear. So true, but, uh, you know, my child uh, was cooking inside my wife for almost an extra two and a half weeks. So I have to be honest with you, folks. When William came out... Um, and let me just, you know what, I'm just going to talk for a minute about this, uh, cause we're nearing the end of the show and we're going to pick back up with this book in the, uh, in the next episode. So I'm going to put it down to the side right now and I'm going to talk to you about something that is just frankly so amazing. So we decided that we did not want to know the gender. Uh, my wife kind of did. She's very impatient, as am I in, in different ways. But my wife wanted to know. And I said, listen, you could know, but don't tell me. But I prefer not to do the ultrasound. We had a lot of discussions. And everything we came to 
uh, ended up being mutual and we compromised on some things. And one of them we decided was, you know what? There are very few things in this world that are left to surprise us now. And so what better than our child, maybe our only one, who knows, than to find out what it is what it looks like, its size and everything when it comes out, like opening the best Christmas present in the entire world. And so we decided not to know our baby's gender. And everyone was guessing along the way. You know, many of you guys, many friends of mine, family members, uh, the midwives generally don't unless you ask them. We had some, they were all very professional. And so we said, no, come on, guess at the baby shower that my mother and my sister threw for my wife because her parents live in uh, Poland, which by the way, my mother-in-law is coming over here in a couple days to man the house uh, for the next three months so I can continue to grow the podcast so she'll be here helping wonderful woman and so we decided okay we're not going to know the gender but everyone's guessing at the baby shower they had a game and people would guess the size and the weight and everything else and so my wife never said what she thought it was she always said to me as long as it's healthy that's all i want and so i was the same way i mean honestly I thought it through in my head what would happen, how I would raise a girl, and if it was a boy, how I would raise the boy, and it would have to be done in two different ways. And so I figured if it was a girl, I probably was going to go to prison because I would probably murder every man within uh, five feet of my child. And uh, so we didn't know, right? And so people at the YMCA where we were taking all of our uh, water classes where we used to work out until my wife couldn't run the treadmill anymore uh, would say, hey, the stomach is low. It's a boy. Hey, the stomach is high. It's a girl. Hey, the stomach is high. It's a boy. Hey, the stomach is low. It's a girl. Uh, your butt didn't get big. You stayed in shape. It's this. It's that. It's this. Oh, it's this thing. It's that. Every single thing, right? So everybody took all these guesses and whether they were uh, asked to guess or not they would voice their opinion and so about two weeks before my wife gave birth uh, right around the time that was the expected due date which was october 28th she had a dream and there was a boy with a full head of dark hair and she woke up that morning and she told me we're having a boy and he has a full head of dark hair and i said are you sure she said well that's what was in my dream two days later she had another dream with the same boy in it and she said no it's definitely a boy and it has dark hair now a few months earlier she had a dream and there was a boy in it she never dreamt that it was a girl but she couldn't remember the boy she didn't really see the boy until two weeks before the birth and so, um, I'm sorry, folks. I almost cried. I'm sorry. I'm not going to cry on this show. Um, but she, um, she, uh, so once you hear the whole story, you'll understand how much work she went through and how much pain she was in. But she, um, the boy started to crown. I had saw the top of its head. And so the nurse uh, Poppy, she was actually a professional and made the whole process go really smooth in a place that we did not want to be. And I snapped at her a couple of times. And Poppy, I apologize. We're going to be sending you a card. So uh, don't worry. I, we love you very much. 
and um, you made this happen the way we wanted it to so um she says do you want a mirror to see and at first i'm thinking my wife does not want to see what it looks like down there because it's quite frightening but uh she said i want to see and so she saw the top of his head you know at first about uh i don't know like a half dollar size and it was a full head of hair dark hair and she said oh my god oh my god and i knew what she was thinking and uh, about 10 minutes later 15 minutes later the baby came out and the doctor and this guy i'm going to talk about because i was not fond of him um he catches the baby originally at home it was going to be me but again there's there's certain things you have to give up when you end up in a prison system uh, and you don't want to get arrested but he catches the baby and i said it it's a boy and she sees him and my wife said that's the boy from my dreams that is the boy from my dreams and uh i gotta tell you guys I had seen so many babies over the years, friends of mine, so many baby pictures, you know, people posting everything on Facebook all the time. And most kids, I'm a pretty honest person. I'm very transparent. I mean, I won't say something to someone's face. I'm not out. I'm not looking to like offend people to get in fights with people. But if it comes up in conversation and you ask me, most babies are frankly ugly they look like shriveled up sharpe dogs or like santa's elf that you put in a microwave and it's shriveled up or some kind of uh, pickle person puppet made out of a woman's stocking you know stuff with cotton with googly eyes uh, most of them are pretty damn ugly and so i always said to myself if my kid is ugly i am not gonna lie about that i'm gonna tell you hey you don't have to say it's cute i know it's ugly maybe over the next couple of years it'll change and it'll look like a normal human uh now i will say because our kid was cooking for an extra almost two and a half weeks right and because in the traditional rockefeller medical system they would have been trying to induce my wife at 40 weeks definitely by 41 if not pushing for a c-section they would have uh gotten it out of there before it was ready it just wasn't ready so over 50 percent of women and folks i know all the stats i've read so many studies over the last nine months outside of this show i was doing a lot of research over 50 percent of women in the traditional OBGYN system are forced into induction uh, and or c-section after 40 weeks so they don't really know uh, how long that kid should be cooking inside a mommy's belly and so he looked like a little man uh, his face was not all wrinkled up he had a full head of hair had really defined features um 21 and a half inches tall almost nine and a half pounds normal hands uh normal feet he didn't have like those traditionally like club feet like little babies do uh and he looked like a little man like a little boy and i have to say this is not just a father i mean i would tell you i'd say my kid looks like yoda if uh if it was true i wouldn't lie to you here on the show so i try to look at it through a very objective lens i ended up with one of the most handsome little fellas on the planet 
uh all my wife's doing folks because it's not me i will tell you that no i don't know what happened we ended up so lucky uh, when his eyes are closed, he looks like my wife. Uh, he's got her chin. Uh, we both have very full. Oh, sorry about that. I hit the mic. We both have very full lips. So he's got full lips. Uh, he's got this little button nose. You never know what those are going to turn into. And he has, uh, when he opens his eyes, I do see my face there because he has these sort of partial Japanese Asian eyes. I'm a quarter Japanese. I'm actually a quarter Japanese, a quarter Italian, a quarter Austrian, 20% Scottish, and then 5% uh, English and Irish. So our baby is all that cut in half plus 50% Polish. So when you look at him uh, with the eyes open, uh, I can see myself there now. Like it's it's so weird. Your soul actually connects. Uh, maybe because I read this book, but I don't have to speak to my child through words. Although I am, I did a theatrical reading of The Grinch the other day. Uh, probably, I think the second day he was on Earth, I did the theatrical reading of The Grinch with the whole Grinch voice. Ah, one day I'll do that for you around Christmas. But. Um, I can see in his eyes, and I think a lot of it, the features and everything and the way he looks is because he was in there cooking for another two and a half weeks, and I think that was great. And my wife is so proud she did not have to be induced. She started labor on her own and went uh, 44 hours at home, completely exhausted. She is a machine, a warrior, and so uh, I give her so much credit for getting through that she was so brave i'm so proud of her and i have so much more respect uh, for all women out there although obviously we're battling evil on all fronts you guys are brave because uh us men imagine squeezing a ping pong ball out of uh out of you know where. I don't know if many of us could actually handle that, folks. I mean, I will say a lot of good guys out there, if we had to do it and it was to bring our baby on earth, I'd do it. I know you would. I would. So uh, it's not to say we wouldn't. But these women are frankly incredible, folks. So uh, have a little respect for them, especially for my wife, because she is a battle-hardened Polish warrior all right ladies and gentlemen when we get back i'm going to finish this book for you because it is important we are about to go deep into the depths of darkness and the origins of eugenics and the origins of sterilization and so this actually worked out perfectly because we can talk about the good side of the world before we get into the real evil because the stuff we're about to touch is total darkness so i will finish up this book and then I'm going to tell you our personal experience because I want you to understand what I had to fight within that system. I will name names. I have my wife's permission to do so. I'll tell you about the good people, the bad people, everything I learned, and uh, the fact that we were locked in a room in COVID isolation uh, while we were at the hospital the whole time during the whole birth and the recovery because we refused to get COVID tests. So we were treated like we had COVID 
COVID, whether we did or we did not, and everyone in the hospital had to play COVID land, the high school theater production, with double paper masks on, with their lips hanging out the side as if that was going to prevent any spread of disease. And they were wearing like a little plastic front, which looked like a lobster bib that was somehow protecting them from uh, COVID spreading around in the room. Folks, it's going to be an amazing story. I talked to Maria Albanese all about this, co-host of the Thomas Payne Podcast on Fridays. She helped me frame out some of the ways that I can tell these stories and uh, help you guys and help you understand what the system looks like now and how you can fight for your rights, understand your rights as a patient, understand when they are trying to trick you, when they're trying to sell you drugs, when they're trying to break apart your family. I think um, I am willing to give myself and my wife a lot of credit for being prepared for this situation, probably in the top one percentile, similar to you folks, myself, that listen to the show and that analyze what's going on. We're in the top one percentile of understanding the truth of what we're facing in this world. And so I think we're in the top one percentile of folks that understand how that hospital system works and how to be prepared to go to battle in real time with very little time to make life or death decisions for your wife, for your child, for your grandchildren, for your friends, family, whoever you're there to support. So folks, I'm going to share all that with you. This is human real world intelligence. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming back to the show. God bless you for all the prayers, all the letters, all the emails and text messages and tweets. I appreciate it very much more than you will ever know. Thank you to everyone who reached out, said they wanted to give us something. Again, you can go to donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show and leave us something there. Or you can just go over and join us at pain.tv slash gold. Sign up for the basic or the hotwire And that helps us out as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back. I am on track. And we will continue as we did before my beautiful baby boy, William Christoph Gold, was born on November 13th at 712 a.m. Baby, I love you. I'll see you all tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here at pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.